How is everybody? Good, good, good. Doing well. Okay, so I have two things to tell you. One is really dumb, but I'm going to tell you anyways, and then the other one is somewhat serious. So I'll start with the dumb one. So um, I think I told you guys before that whenever, <laughs> so dumb, whenever I travel, uh, I'm always fixated with like, like I'm always like blown away with cable television because my wife and I have never had cable. We've been married for 15 years. We've never had cable television. We have like Netflix and Hulu and stuff, but whenever I travel and I'm somewhere and there's TV, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's 400 channels of, you know, weird stuff. And I scroll through and I'm, I'm just like enamored with the television. And uh, I think last time I told you about this, I was up in New England and I watched, <laughs> I discovered my 600 pound life. Never heard of that. And I'm like, it's fascinating, right? And, uh, it was funny, one of my elders confessed to me that he watches it religiously, by the way. Anyway, so uh, I found that show, and then my wife and I went to Chattanooga, just stayed the night, and um, just kind of like had a, 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 a night by ourselves and a day by ourselves, which was really refreshing. But uh, we were laying there late at night, and I was watching TV, and we're scrolling through, because again, we're just, you know, wow, look at all this stuff. And we came across uh, <laughs> Dr. Pimple Poppers. I don't know if you ever, yeah, it's funny. Every service, people have applauded for that. And uh, never heard of this show. And I have a very weak stomach, right? And uh, we go to watch this. And it's like when you come across a, like a car accident. You don't want to look, but you just kind of have to, right? And so my wife has degrees in chemistry and biology. She was a pre-med student. And so she's fine with it. I'm watching this and I'm hiding behind her. And she's like, oh my gosh, the pus and tissue and... I'd kind of peek over and I'm like, oh my God, but I never changed it. In fact, she went to bed and I just kept going for like three more episodes. It was like a <laughs> Dr. Pimple Poppers marathon and I just was up to like 1.30 watching this horrific show and people walk in, you got something like the size of a cantaloupe on your forehead and they're like, I never thought to go to a doctor. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, when that thing was the size of a baseball, it didn't cross your mind to... I should get this checked out, you know? So that was a very fascinating show, wasn't it? So, okay, that's the dumb part of today. <laughs> that's done. Um, something that's kind of cool that I wanted to tell you about, and, and I hope you guys uh, take the time to, to pick this up and check it out. There's a young lady that comes to our church. Her name's Dolores, and she had a really interesting idea not too long ago to come up with a magazine, and she did all the work for it and put all the people together to write the articles, and it's free, and the whole thing is based around mental health and mental illness. And so she created it as kind of a bridge to help people who may struggle with things but don't know what to do with PTSD or suicidal thoughts. And there's resources and different counselors and articles from different counselors and places where people can get plugged in. But it's really, really uh, well put together and really good. And they're free. And so if you know anyone who struggles with mental illness or, or, or you know, if you're interested in mental health, um, I think she's even out there at all the services this weekend. Go out there and just say hi to her and thank you. And it's really, really cool. And you can pick one of those up for free if you want to give it to someone that might struggle with those things, even if you don't. But uh, pretty, pretty neat idea. So you're welcome to grab one of those on your way out. Pretty cool resource to have. Okay, last thing. Um, Dave finished up First John. Uh, he did chapter five last week and wrapped it up really, really nicely. And he asked... Dave asked a pretty provocative question, and, and, and it sounds like a simple one, um, but there's actually a lot to it. Dave proposed the question, are we asleep? And the Bible actually talks about this a lot, especially in the New Testament. It talks about us being sober and vigilant and present and aware. And in the Old Testament, in Habakkuk, he says it was, we need to be like people at a watchtower looking out for things. And so it's a very 
pertinent question. Are we spiritually awake? Are we looking around? Are we attentive, right? Are we present spiritually? Good question. Because at the end of 1 John, it says, don't get caught up in idols, right? Don't follow idols. But we can easily follow idols if we're spiritually asleep. Interesting. So we're going to go from 1 John. Naturally, it makes sense to go right into 2 John. We're going to do the entire book of 2 John today. Don't get scared by that. It's 13 verses. We're going to do the entire thing today. It's another letter written to another church. And we're going to pull out some just exceptionally practical stuff. We're going to go a little bit deeper than than maybe what we would normally do because there's not that much content to cover. Very simple stuff, but we're just going to kind of dive in, pull some things out that you can use tomorrow at work, you can use with your family, you can use in your day-to-day life. Very, very practical stuff that we're going to talk about today, okay? So you should have got a a notes handout when you walked in. Either, Either way you came in, we were handing out the notes handouts. Everything will be on the screen that's in those handouts, and and, uh, everything I'm going to say virtually is on that. If you have a smartphone, the Experience Community app, click on Service Time, Sermon Notes. you got everything there, Scripture and the notes. Very, very handy. And then if you have a Bible, go to the very back of it and uh, go back about four books, and you will find uh, the book of 2 John. It's very, very short. It's half a page in my Bible. We will cover all of it today, and um, again, very, very practical information that we will pull out. I I might get a little salty today. Whenever I take a week off, I just come back all salty, and so uh, some of that may come out later, but you know, we'll see. So anyways, let's pray. Let's dive into this, and uh, we'll see where the Lord takes us, okay? All right. Lord Jesus, God, we love you. I just want to tell you thank you, Lord. Thank you for this church. Thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to come in here, Lord, in a comfortable air-conditioned room and to hear the gospel, Lord, and to talk about it and to take communion and be with like-minded people. Lord, we pray that you keep your hand on us today. Protect us, God. Lord, let us learn something from the text today. God, we, don't, we not only pray for our church, we pray for every church in our city, every church in our county. God, we pray that uh, your gospel is spread. We pray that the churches around us are blessed and that they grow and flourish and that we can be the light to our city. Uh, thank you, God, for Endure Athletics that we're working with at our worship night coming up, and we pray, God, that that worship night is a blessing, that Endure Athletics continues to be a blessing in our community, God, and uh, Lord, we just pray that everything we do today makes you proud. We love you, Lord. Speak to us today, God. Teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever I post pictures like this, do you ever try to find yourself in there? You ever do that? I'm never in this, so okay. All right, let's read a little bit, and then we'll break it down. John says, the elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that remains in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father, from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. Okay, so the first thing he says is John calls himself an elder. If you've been in church for any length of time, you might have heard the term elder, but maybe you didn't really know what an elder of the church was. Now, that can be a pastor like me. I'm one of the elders of the church, but it can also be volunteer leaders. We have five of them at this campus, two at our other campus, who are elders. And they are different people who are are put in place to oversee the integrity of the church, right? Kind of a high-level spiritual position. And they make sure the integrity of of the church is intact. And that's what John was. He was an elder. Now, this elder, this overseer, was writing to an elect lady. 
Now, some people think this is literally a woman and he's literally writing to a woman about her kids. It's not that, it's more than likely a congregation. Just like 1 John was written to a very famous church, the church at Ephesus, where we get the book of Ephesians, it's mentioned in the book of Revelation, very famous book in the New Testament. This second gospel or second letter from John is more than likely written to a church in the same vicinity as Ephesus, but not Ephesus, but written to one in that same region, okay? He also says that his relationship with this congregation or this elect lady is based on the truth. He mentions that it's the truth and the people that know the truth, they have this common bond. That's their commonality. Even though they might like different sports teams or TV shows or different political parties or whatever the case may be, the thing that holds them together is their relationship with Christ. And we often get this wrong in the church. This doesn't mean that you and I can't have friends that aren't Christians. Now we're gonna have to walk with balance on this, okay? A lot of you in this room have been taught to stay away from non-believers. Don't have friends that are non-believers. And that's actually not what the Bible says. What the Bible says about your friends, who can be your friends, is actually Paul says in 1 Corinthians, it's not non-believers you should stay away from, put your seatbelts on, it is people that call themselves Christians but don't live out what they say. In fact, Paul says, don't have dinner with people like that. That's interesting. Seems a little harsh. Here's why Paul says this, and here's why John kind of hints at the same thing. If we befriend hypocritical Christians, hypocritical Christians ruin the reputation of the church and they ruin the reputation of God. If we don't befriend non-Christians, who in the heck do we share the gospel with? So we're to stay away from hypocritical Christians and we're to grow closer to non-believers. Now again, I know there's balance in that. It doesn't mean that you can go to the strip joint with your friends, right? It's not what that means. We know that Christians shouldn't go to places like that. So it takes common sense. God is a fan of common sense. So we have to have friends that are non-Christians because that's who we share the gospel with. But we have to protect the truth. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, the truth sets us free. Man, if the truth sets us free, that should be protected. That should be guarded. That's why the Bible addresses, and that's why John addresses heresy. Now, if you don't know what heresy is, heresy is false teaching. It's a distorted teaching about Jesus and about the Word of God. And it's so important that we address heresy. It's so important that we call out heresy because without addressing heresy, the health of the church, the survival of the church is in jeopardy. The problem is this though. So many of us are so afraid of offending people and so many of us are so afraid that we will not be accepted that we don't always share the truth. Here's the thing, the truth will outlast your Facebook friendships. The truth will outlast everything. We want to be on the side of truth. We do it in love, but we have to communicate the truth. John also says, and this is very common in a lot of the letters of the New Testament. He says, grace, mercy, and peace be to you. So not only does he love these people, but he explains to these people where their grace, mercy, and peace comes from. It comes from God the Father, and it comes from Jesus Christ the Son. 
Look at this. John also tells this group of people, he says, look, I'm going to talk to you straightforward, but I'm going to talk to you in two ways. I'm going to talk to you in truth. I'm going to talk to you in love. That's how he's going to approach this very, very short letter, okay? Now, when we talk about love, I'm going to, I'm going to explain this picture to you. When we talk about love, we have to be careful with love, and we're going to talk about this more in detail here in a second. This is a street kid from Jinja, Uganda. It's very hard to love these kids. I know right now you're saying, Corey, hard to love kids? These aren't your normal kids. If you go to certain places of Africa, these street kids, they're born on the street, they're raised on the streets. I mean, they run in gangs when they're six, seven, eight, nine, up to about 18, 19 years old, most of these kids. These kids, like this one right here, they will usually be passed out during the day when you see them because they take plastic bottles and they soak rags and kerosene and gasoline, shove them in there and they huff on these until they pass out. That's what this kid was doing right here. And so these kids, you can't just walk up and throw money at these kids. Let me tell you why. First time I ever went to Africa, there was about a six-year-old boy, he's about this tall, and there was, I got a picture of me, Josh took a picture of me. This kid had burns and sores all over his stomach. It's because some white American walked up into Uganda one time and gave this kid 10,000 shillings, which is about three bucks, right? What happens though is when you just throw money at these homeless kids, the other homeless kids see it and they gang up on the kid that got the money. In that particular case, they lit this six-year-old kid on fire and took his money. So what we do is we think we're loving people by just throwing money at these problems. And it was actually the worst thing that you could have done for this kid. This kid has scars all over his torso from being lit on fire, right? Because some white person made, it, made them feel good to throw money at this homeless kid, right? So that's the thing about love. We have this distorted view of love, but we need to know what the Bible says about love so we can love correctly, right? So let's talk about love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, in keeping with the command we have received from the Father. So now I ask you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one that we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commands. This is the command, as you have heard it from the beginning, that you walk in love. So John said that some of your children are walking in truth. Well, what in the heck does that mean? That can either mean people in the congregation that he was writing to are walking in truth, or it could mean that maybe this church had started other churches. Kind of like we, we have one in Woodbury that's going on right now, right? And that people hear that that church is doing well, our children are doing well. In order to walk in truth, in order to have children that walk in truth, metaphorically and literally your children, we have to disciple people. That means we take time with them. We walk with them. They show them the teachings of Christ and how to live like Christ and how to love Christ and love others. We disciple people. Jesus told us to do three things. Teach people, baptize people, and make disciples of people. Discipleship has to be one of the most important components of the church. And unfortunately, it's not in a lot of churches, okay? For one to walk in truth, they must follow the commands of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was asked by the bad guys, right, the Pharisees in the, in the New Testament, what is the greatest command that we were ever given by God? Jesus says, well, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, right? And he says there's a second one, though, and it's similar to the first, that we are to love those around us, to properly love other people. So here's the thing. 
It is not enough for you to love God and to live righteously. Wait a second, Corey, that's what we're supposed to do. It is not enough just for us to love God and live righteously. We must love him so much that that love pours out on other people, right? That we are to care for others, that we are to help lead other people into a relationship with Christ and for them to also live righteously. It doesn't end when we have a healthy relationship with God. In fact, when we have a relationship with God, a healthy one, it will ultimately lead us to have a healthy relationship with people around us. But if we're going to love people around us, we have to know what the heck love is. It's interesting. If God is love, let's see if we can put this puzzle together. If God is love, and that is the inspired word of God, what better place to find the definition of love than the Holy Bible? Crazy? So, so many people don't know what love is when the Bible blatantly tells us what love should look like. 1 Corinthians 13, right? All of you who go to Hobby Lobby, you've read this before. <laughs> love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. I've said it in 6,000 weddings. It's selfless, it's honorable, it's not rude. It rejoices with the truth. The only way to rejoice with the truth is to know the truth. But that's what love does. We see in the book of Proverbs, and we see Jesus say it at the Sermon of the Mount, that love loves people regardless of how bad they may be, regardless of what political party they vote for, regardless of what things they've done in the past. Jesus even takes this love thing so far. He says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Look at how far Jesus took that. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? What if they steal from me? Jesus addresses that too. If they take your shoes, give them your tunic too as well. Look at that. We don't like those teachings of Jesus, do we, right? We wanna hate people. We wanna slander people. We wanna push away from people. The Bible says that true love hates evil. True love doesn't hate evil people. True love hates evil action, evil things. And true love does not enable bad behavior. That's why we always tell people, do not give money to homeless people that are begging on the corners. If you see a woman holding a sign in this neighborhood saying, I'm hungry, guys, first of all, there's about eight places in town that will give them free food, right? The other thing is this, nine times out of 10, when you see a woman flying a sign, it's because there's some guy around the corner that beats her and prostitutes her out and makes her hold that sign. Do not give money to prostitution and domestic assault. Don't give those people money. That enables bad behavior. Don't do that. So it's not love to just throw a five at somebody and be like, I am so good, right? That's not the best thing for them. But the problem is we have distorted what love is. Culture has hijacked love, but the only way to correctly love is we have to read the scripture. We have to get the definition of love from the scripture, okay? Here's the other side of love, and here's the other side of social justice. I believe in love, I believe in social justice. But none of us can fix everything all the time. We can't do it. Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Jesus calls us to help the downtrodden and to visit people in prison and to feed the poor and to clothe the naked. He says that in the gospel. But we cannot fix everything. And though we are commissioned by God to teach the truth, not everyone will accept the truth. I'm so sick of people constantly slamming Christianity in the church for how much they don't do. But when you look at what Christianity has done, the university, the hospitals, 
right? Almost every nonprofit in this community is run by Christian families. And though everyone will not accept the truth that we share with them, every single person alive will be held responsible for the truth. And it is not Corey Trimble or you. We cannot make everyone accept what is right. Let me show you a scripture that changed my life several years ago. Paul wrote this to the Galatian church. He said, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good for all, especially for those that belong to the household of faith. Let me show you where we neglect this scripture. One, we get our priorities way out of whack. Let me tell you what, if you're feeding every single homeless person in this community, but your marriage is falling apart, you've gotten things out of order. Let me tell you what, if you're helping people in Africa, but we have starving families within this church, we have gotten things out of order because we are to make sure that every single mother and widow and orphan is taken care of within the body of believers first. And as we have opportunities, we go out, right? We go out to the rest of the community. We have to prioritize. It is God's heart that we go all over the world and help people, but we have to make sure our brothers and sisters, our husbands and wives, our children are taken care of first because we cannot help other people when our lives are falling apart. We must first address our own issues and then we must go out as we have opportunity. This means that you and I cannot single-handedly fix everything, okay? We cannot do it. Love is also shown in obedience. In a nutshell, if we say we love Jesus, but we don't do what Jesus tells us to do, John calls us liars. We are not in love with Jesus. In fact, Jesus says in the gospel in John 15, 14, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Here's the odd thing about loving Jesus though. If we love Jesus the way we should, we will naturally do the second great commandment and we will love those around us. Because when we follow the commands of Jesus, look at this, look how neat this is. 60% of the 10 commandments do not focus on our relationship with God. They focus on our relationship with other people. Not to steal, not to kill, not to lie, not to covet, things like that. That's not between us, that's between us. So God takes it very seriously how we treat other people. And we have to understand that God is not some tyrannical dictator in heaven that just loves to slap rules on us. He loves us and he gives us commands in order to protect us and to make our lives better. Do you know why Jesus says one man, one woman for life, right? Monogamy, exclusivity sexually. You know why he says that? Not because God's anti-sex. God likes for you to have good sex as long as it's in, as long as it's in a parameter. And the reason why he gives us that parameter is he knows that there are sexually transmitted diseases. He knows that there are unwanted pregnancies. He knows that there are emotional issues that come from infidelity and things like this. And he wants to protect you and keep you safe. That's why we have those rules. The reason why God tells us not to lie or steal is because he knows these things hurt people and he loves us. But sometimes we, we look at God's rules like, it's like if we were looking at a, at a goldfish in a bowl and we're like, man, that poor goldfish, they need to be free. And we just dump over the bowl, right? What happens with this freedom? The goldfish dies because it has to have a parameter. It has to have a safety net around it to keep it alive. It's the same thing that the commands of Christ do for us. It's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he loves us a lot that he gives us these parameters. 
All right. Many deceivers have gone out into the world and they do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching, but goes beyond it, does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and don't greet him. For the one who greets him shares in his evil works. Now, when he says that many deceivers have gone out, this probably means two things. One, it means that people have left the church and they have pursued false teaching, right? The other meaning of these deceivers are the actual people teaching things that are wrong. Now, this is gonna sound harsh, okay? But I'm gonna try to explain it the best I can. This church, and any church should be like this, but this church, we can handle your mistakes. We can handle your porn addictions. We can handle your substance abuse. We can handle the fact that you've been a liar or materialistic or whatever the case, whatever the case is. We can handle the fact that people have messed up and sinned, right? We can deal with that as long as people are humble. We can do that. Something that this church refuses to deal with is divisiveness and heresy. You cannot have wolves that hang around with the sheep. And I'll tell you why. The reason why is you cannot rationalize with wolves. Let me explain this on a more practical level. I feel like you guys are like zoned out right now. Let me explain it on a more practical level. If, you, if, you're, if you're a woman in here and you're married and there's this nice guy that comes around your cubicle all the time and spends, it seems to spend a lot of time talking to you exclusively. If you're married and he knows that, he's a wolf. You can't rationalize with that. You can't be kind to people like that. You have to cut that off because wolves cannot be around your marriage. If you have children and there's a predator, someone that is dangerous that will hurt them, you cannot rationalize with someone that wants to hurt your children. You have to protect your children and you have to move away from the wolf. It's the same thing with the body of believers. If someone comes into this place teaching things that are opposite of that Bible, because I'm a shepherd and because shepherds carry a staff, right? That is there to protect the sheep and we cannot rationalize with dangerous people. We have to ask them to leave because we have to protect the integrity of the church. You have to protect the integrity of your family and your marriage. You have to keep wolves away, okay? All right. So typically, Wolves are known because they distort the identity of Jesus. The wolves in John's time were called the Gnostics, and John didn't have anything good to say about the Gnostics. The Gnostics were a group of people who were saying that Jesus Christ never came in the flesh. Now you're probably saying, why is that a big deal? I'll tell you why it's a big deal. It was the body and blood of Jesus that died and resurrected that saves your soul. That's the big deal. And when someone teaches something opposite of that, that's a heaven and hell issue. That's worth getting upset about. And so John did get upset about it. And he said, this spirit is from the devil. It's antichrist. And to listen to those false teachings will jeopardize your salvation. 
In other words, if the truth sets us free, the lies enslave us. And John said, don't listen to that. Don't let those wolves around you, right? Identify the wolves and make sure they're not amongst the flock. John also says, anyone who goes beyond the scripture, right? That that's dangerous. Going beyond the scripture means exactly what he says. That if we take things beyond what the Bible says, when we start to add in our own opinions, guys, this is gonna sound harsh again. I've already crossed the harsh line, so let's just keep going, right? Listen, I know Mormon people most of the time are nice people, but if you want to be able to easily spot a heresy, whenever someone says we've added a new New Testament, ding, 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 right? At the very end of the New Testament that we already have, it says, do not add to this. So when a 14-year-old kid comes out of the woods and says, hey, I got something to add to that, we instantly should know that that is heretical and to stay away from it, it has gone beyond what God has given us. If anyone teaches you something that goes beyond what the word says, it's dangerous, very dangerous. And what we argue about is this, is that when people leave the faith, a lot of people like to argue, well, did they ever have faith in the first place? Well, they're not living for Jesus. Were they ever saved in the first place? Let me give you just a, a, a good tidbit of information or, or encourage you to do something. Instead of focusing if they were ever saved in the first place, let's recognize that if people are not living for Christ, that's a bad position to be in. Let's go walk with them, focus on them. Who cares if they ever had it in the first place? We know that right now they don't have a relationship with Christ and we need to focus on that. We get so hyper-focused on the minors of our faith that we let the majors get neglected. Here, it's this simple. If someone's not living like Jesus, that's bad. If someone is living like Jesus, that's good. Whether they were ever saved in the first place is kind of irrelevant. They're not living for Jesus now, and we need to do something about that, okay? So John says that whenever false teachers arise and they're teaching, John says not to greet them. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that we're rude or mean or that we hate people. It means that we're to not allow false teaching to flourish. It means we don't give money to heretical teachers. It means that we don't have them in our home, heretical teachers. It doesn't mean that we can't wave at them at Kroger or be nice to them or like a picture of their family on Facebook. But if they're teaching false things, we have to put a distance between. We cannot let that flourish, okay? And what that brings up is this. There are two kinds of sin there's sins of commission, which means things that we do, right? Slipped up and looked at porn. I lied at work the other day. I got mad and shoved a guy, you know, I lost my temper. There's things that we do that are sinful acts. We talk about those a lot in church. The thing we don't talk about a lot in church are sins of omission, which means negligence, sinful inaction. One of those sins of omission is if we see that something false is being taught that can damage people's lives and jeopardize their souls and we do nothing about it, that's wrong. In fact, the book of James says this, to know the truth and not act on it is a sin, but we must be willing to become unpopular for the sake of the gospel and sometimes we're not willing to, okay? All right, we're almost done. Aren't you guys happy? Okay, last part. I'm gonna do it backwards. I'm gonna read it the right way, but I'm gonna talk about it backwards. Though I have many things to write to you, I don't wanna use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. 
The children of your elect sister send you greetings. Okay, now, like I said, backwards. So let me, let me take this, this last verse and focus on that first. This salutations, right? He's saying, these people are greeting you. This gives evidence that the ladies that he's talking about aren't literal ladies, they're churches, right? The church is known as a woman most of the time in the Bible, right? The bride, we're known as a woman. Notice this. <laughs> One church in the region was saying hello to and encouraging another church in the region. That means churches can actually work together, right? That means that we can pull that off. I go out to eat lunch with Brady Cooper every couple of weeks, couple of months. He's pastor at New Vision. And I go out with David Young every once in a while and we'll have coffee and stuff. And it's funny, like when Brady and I are eating lunch, someone will walk up and they're like, we didn't know you guys were friends. And I'm like, I know. Isn't it crazy? I like Baptists too, right? You know, and it's like, they just think, they think that, what, what, I can't believe they're friends. Well, we should be friends, right? Like we're both leading big congregations. He's older than me. I get a lot of good information from him. He's a good man. We should be friends. More churches should be doing these kinds of things, Right? We're all trying to get to the same place. We're on the same team. Okay, now here's where I'm gonna be a real butt. All right, here it comes. <laughs> Though John had a lot more to say to this church, he decided instead to talk to them in person. <laughs> here we go. He said, I could use ink and paper. If this was written in our day and age, he says, I could email you, I could text you, I could message you. I could Marco Polo you. I could, all these different ways we communicate, right? I could do all these things. But instead, he said, I wanna come talk to you face to face. It was obviously a pretty serious conversation. Let me tell you guys something. In your lives, if you have a serious conversation, especially with someone that you're close to, don't do it over email, don't do it over text, don't do it over Facebook. Be a big boy. Be a big girl, be a man, be a woman, be a husband, be a wife, be a friend, be a neighbor, whatever, be an adult, sit down, look at them in the eyes and tell them what you have a problem with. If you have a big, I can't tell you how many problems would have been resolved if people would just grow the heck up and have a conversation versus texting an argument with someone. If you are a man in here and you text an argument with your wife, Grow up, sit down, I almost said something real bad in church. Grow up, sit, sit down with your wife and just talk. No wonder why she doesn't respect you. You don't have enough guts to talk to her. Be a man, be a woman, be an adult. Listen, not just an adult, be a Christian about it. Do you know that Jesus talked about this long before social media? Did you guys know that? Jesus knew that one day we would hide behind email and social media and text. He knew that. So in the Gospels, Jesus said, look, if you have an issue, it's Matthew chapter 18, I believe. He says, look, if someone offends you, I'm gonna add a little bit. If someone offends you, don't get on Facebook and slander them. Hey, hold, hold on before you clap. Do you know the word devil means slanderer? Do you know that when you slander someone, you're acting like the devil? That's just by definition. If someone offends you, Jesus says, don't get on Facebook, don't post something, don't send a hateful email, don't text them, don't run their name into the ground all over town. You know what Jesus says? 
Go to him face-to-face, one-on-one. Well, what if that doesn't work, Corey? Well, guess what? Jesus has a plan B. He says, go get a friend of yours, and the two of you go talk to them. Well, what if that doesn't work? Well, Jesus has a plan C. Get two friends, take those two friends and go. Plan D, take another one. And then finally, Jesus says, if that still doesn't work, get the church involved. And what typically happens is, is two of you guys will get in an argument, you'll skip steps one through four, you'll send me an email and say, so-and-so's a jerk, Corey, fix it. (laughs) And I'll say, well, I think you skipped a couple of biblical steps. Go talk to them first. You know what I found? When people actually do this, nine times out of 10, that first conversation fixes it. It takes care of it. When we look at each other in the eyes, treat each other with dignity and respect, take the high road, and it fixes it. It's crazy. All right. Here's some practical advice. Here's some stuff you can do this week at work, in your home, in your daily life. The first one is this. We have to know the truth so well to be able to spot a fake. Let me tell you a great story. There's a buddy of mine. I've told this story before. You've probably heard it. Good friend of mine, his name's Kelvin Jackson. He's in the Secret Service. He was with Barack Obama for eight years, and right now he's with Donald Trump. If you ever see a six-foot-five black guy hanging out by Donald Trump, it's probably my friend Kelvin. Kelvin, he, he stays in the White House right now, and when he used to live in Nashville, he and I would go get lunch a lot. We'd go down and get some Jamaican food off Roselle Parks and, and hang out. One day I was up in his office, and he had a stack about an inch and a half or two inches high of counterfeit $100 bills. And so he handed them to me and he goes, you know, check those out. You know, can, can you spot, are they fake or not? And I'm looking at him like, dude, I cannot tell these from real $100 bills. I said, how do you guys tell them from real $100 bills? And he said something very, very interesting. He said, the way they train us, train us to spot a counterfeit is they let us handle the real thing a lot. And it hit me. The only way we know when something is theologically off is when we know what is theologically right. The only way to know what is not of God is we have to know God. That means coming to church is important. That means reading your Bible is important. That means talking to God is important. We have to know what's real before we can know what's fake. We also need to be obedient to the commands of God. It is this simple, guys. If Jesus says do it, do it. If Jesus says don't do it, don't do it. We cannot have a relationship with God if we're not obedient to God. It just does not happen. It is impossible. It does not exist. We cannot call ourselves Christians if we neglect the teachings of Jesus Christ. And quite frankly, the only way to know the teachings of Christ is you gotta break this book open. You gotta read that book. We also need to love and we need to love correctly. We need to let God's love work through us and in us and needs to permeate out of us and affect those around us. Let me give you another good piece of advice today. Love people in such a way that it makes them sharper, better, more educated, that it pushes them to greater things. Who of you in this room have come into a relationship with Christ, a real one, and God has left you the way he found you? I hate when churches say, just come as you are. That's, that's great. We all come as we are, but if we leave the same way, we didn't have an encounter with God. When we come into an encounter with God, he changes us. He makes us better. He takes us up a notch, right? He makes our marriages better, our relationships better. We speak differently. We become sharper. That's why the book of Proverbs says, it's like iron that sharpens iron. Love people in such a way that it pushes them to be greater. Don't leave people where they are. Love them better than that. When it comes to false teaching, very simple. 
Identify it, which means you got to know the word. Identify it, call it out, and stay the heck away from it. Whenever someone is teaching things contradictory to that book, identify it, tell your wife, your kids, your friends, don't do this, don't listen to this person, and stay away from it. Stay away from false teaching. The last thing is this, guys. You're gonna have conflicts with people. If possible, resolve your conflicts face to face. Well, Corey, they live in Texas. FaceTime, right? Skype, call them. Work out whatever you have to do to where you could look. Guys, do you know that when you look at someone in the eyes, it's a lot harder to misconstrue what they say, right? When you're reading an email, I'm one of those very short responders on email. Someone will send me an email like this and I'm like, oh, that's great. And people are like, oh, Corey hates me. And I'm like, no, I don't. I just, you know, I'm not a long email responder. But if I look at you face to face, if we have a conversation, it's different. Here's the thing. If you've been wronged, follow Jesus's example on how to handle offense. One person, two people, three people, then the church, okay? Follow Jesus's teachings. Listen, we also need to grow thicker skin. If it just devastates you and debilitates you when you lose a Facebook friend, you just probably shouldn't go outside. (laughs) I mean, seriously, guys, listen. There was one perfect person that's ever walked on planet Earth and they nailed him to a tree. They're gonna hate you too. People are gonna not like you because you love Jesus. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, if they hate you, don't worry, they hated me first. Some people are not gonna like you regardless of how good you are, regardless of how kind you are. So we have to get a little bit tougher, guys. Christians should not get offended so easily. We get offended way too easily. Take a chill pill, right? Don't get so offended so easily. Here's another thing. Why don't you show people some grace? If you go out to eat after this and your waiter or waitress is not 100%, you should still tip them well. Maybe something's going on at home. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they struggle with depression or anxiety or maybe they lost a loved one. We don't know. Show a little bit of grace. I've had off days. Maybe I'm having one right now. We've all had off days. You've had off days. Show some grace. Show some empathy. The bottom line is this. Be a Christian adult about things. The reason why I said be a Christian adult, don't be like the world. The world loves conflict. The world loves slander and gossip. The world loves to get on Facebook and say all this stuff and hurt people's feelings and post all these things. Guys, do you know how many Republicans have become Democrats because of your Facebook posts? Do you know how many things have changed in the world because you posted some angry rant? Be a Christian adult and go address the problem in person. Talk to them. Be empathetic. Take the high road. Don't just be an adult, be a Christian adult. Do it the way Jesus would handle your conflicts and handle the things around you in a way that would make Jesus proud of you. Show grace, show love, show empathy, stick to the truth, confront the problems head on. God will bless you for that. You'll have much better relationships, okay? Simple stuff, guys, practical stuff. We've all fallen short in these things, but because of the grace of God, we can get better at these things, okay? Would you bow your heads with me, please?
Listen, if you're in this room and you've fallen short, just like I have fallen short in some of these departments, there is communion all around you. How blessed we are that we get to take the body and blood of Jesus Christ, one of the most important things that we can do. And what we're reminded of when we take the communion is that God loved us even when we were at our worst, when we've made mistakes, when we've slipped up, when we haven't been kind to people and we haven't resolved things the right way. So if you're in this room and you're a Christian and you've slipped up in one of these departments, join the club. But what we can do is we can go, we can get the, the, the wine, we can get the bread, we can remember that God loves us and forgives us. We can ask for his forgiveness and we can remember him. If you're in this room and you need a prayer request, if you have anything you need prayer for, there are men and women on both sides of the stage. They'd love to pray with you. It can be something small or it can be something catastrophic. Please let someone pray with you, okay? Then the last thing is this. Greg is up here to my right, your left, up here at the front of the stage. If you are new, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you've got a lot of questions. Dave is, or I'm sorry, Greg is one of our pastors. He's up here at the front. He can help answer your questions. We can get coffee with you. We can give you some books. What, what, we can help you in your walk if you'll just come up and let us know, okay? Lord Jesus, God, I love this church. It's a good church, God, good people. Lord, we've all lost our cool. We've all handled things poorly. We've all fallen short and we haven't loved the way we should, all kinds of things, God. Lord, we just pray that you show us grace and help us to be better, Lord. Forgive us when we make our mistakes. God, help us to, to, to just learn from them and to grow closer to you. Bless our relationships, God. Lord, let us, be, let us just be a step above what culture is and don't let us gossip and slander. Lord, let us address issues and let us do it in a way that, that, that makes you proud, God. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Keep your hand on all my friends, my brothers and sisters in this room until we meet again, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you, guys.